the thing is you cannot take long to make decisions because if you take long to take a decision that's also a decision Our featured speaker today is the founder and CEO of Resultam and Tag House, a passionate front-end developer, web designer, and business and marketing manager, driven by the vision of changing lives around the globe for the better. Daniel, it's such a pleasure to have you as our featured guest today. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us. Thanks, Nancy, for bringing us here to talk about this stuff. The first thing that I, I always say, like when I learned so early how to create websites and program, it wasn't because I was brilliant or because I was um, someone that really like got technology and, and thought that it was easy or something like that. I mean, I wish I could say that, but actually I'm, I'm just only curious, curious, really, like it's just a curiosity. So... The thing is, I always thought about who's on the other side of the screen, you know, like when I watched television, it didn't really matter like what was going on on television. I was like just all the time asking myself, how do they do that? How is they're planning this? How they like create the script or how they film it, how they broadcast and all these things. So. The only reason that I learned how to program at an early age is just because I was curious about internet. And it was really like, I think it's when I was 12, it was like 2002. So it was like uh, really, yeah, the early 2000s. And the internet was really a big thing. Not, not that it's not a big thing now, but it was like a, a, a thing that everybody said on the media and, and everyone wanted to know about it and I really wanted to try it out and to understand and to start and things were so much simpler like it was so much more simpler than it's now you know I mean for you to develop something now it's so much more complex because of all the devices all the kind of screens that you have you have different sizes like you have to develop for mobile phones and, and for computers so it was so much more simpler because you have like one screen resolution. You have like one language that was used uh, mainly like that was H the first HTML. It wasn't like HTML5 or this new technologies. So uh, I was really curious and that's why it, it, I, I learned so early. And the other thing is that that helped me so much because I always like had something else to offer when I was uh, in a job interview or even like on uh, college applications and this stuff, because I really actually, and, and for me, it wasn't, it wasn't like something really boring. And, and we were talking about gaming earlier. It, w it was just like playing a game. You do, you do the development part and that becomes something, you know, you create something from nothing. So the great thing about knowing this stuff is that it's it's really rewarding on the sense that you're creating something so for me what helped me 
is is that I could like start working with uh, web design as early as possible. You know, I mean, I was like 18 and, and my first job as a web designer. And as I said before, the thing is that I wasn't uh, really, I, I love technology, of course, but I wasn't really the technology guy. I was the guy that was curious. So that's why I studied advertising. I didn't study, I, I was, I, I thought about studying IT and then I, I changed my mind because I said, no, I don't want to be stuck to only a field. I want to learn more about other stuff. So that's when I, I study advertising, I work on television. So I, I saw everything. I saw how they do the news. I saw how they research it, how they script it, how they record, how they broadcast, all these things. I was always cu curious. And I think that's, that's what helped me uh, with my career and not the fact that I learned how to program early. It could be different, different stuff. And also like I, I used to play with Photoshop and, and uh, Flash and, you know, Dreamweaver, all these tools that uh, I, I wanted to uh, get familiar with. And when I, just as I started college and started learning the basics about advertising, I already know how to work with the tools. So I think the main thing about uh, how this impacted my career, it was not the what I learned, but the fact that I learned something else because what everybody learns at school, it's what everybody does. So you just the the you you're the same, you know. It, it's not it's not that I say that I'm I'm better than anyone, but I mean anyone could study something that helps them. And, and it, it don't need to be, it doesn't need to be like a shore, you know, you can uh, be curious, curious and, and, you know, get interest about that. You know, if you like books, if you like reading, if you like cinema, you can, you can learn things you can learn how to write a book. You can learn how to shoot videos and, and be a director and that will help you on the long run. So I think that's, I don't know, that's that's the advice I would give, like to, for my kids or, or younger people, because that that's what helped me most. It's not the fact that I, I learned programming; it's the fact that I learned something uh, before my my competitors and and the other people that were like uh, trying to get the same uh, opportunities that I, I wanted. I was a step ahead because of that. So, so I think that's how it, it changed for me. And that's why I started my company. I, I was an advertiser, but I knew how to create websites and to program. And when I started, it, it was like 10 years ago. So uh, when you, you, you know how to create a website 10 years ago, yeah. it's just like you're, if you know how to create mobile apps now. So it was really a new thing. A lot of companies didn't have a website. So, I think that's that's what helped me most was the, the fact that I was really curious and learned something uh, before everyone else wasn't interested in that. So I was kind of lucky, actually. Thank you very much, Daniela. That's a, quite a detailed answer, and I appreciate that. I think being curious about what you're working on and interested in it is such a powerful thing for helping you sort of learn about it. Now, I wanted to ask you, You've moved through quite a number of different roles from freelancer to marketing analyst to founder. I, I was wondering, 
how easy did you find these transitions? And can you tell us about what things in particular have uh, contributed to your ability to adapt? One of the things that I think helped me to adapt is that I lived with uncertainty my entire life because my parents were, they had a small business. They, they, we had difficult times and, um, and also good times. So I wasn't like really uh, used to certainty. And so growing up in, in this uh, kind of uncertainty helped me to be more free with my decisions because what I thought, like the first time I got a, my first job, uh, the first thing I thought it was like, I'm qualified enough not to worry about finding another job. So especially in Brazil, because here technology, it, it's really booming all the time since long times ago, like since my mom was uh, uh, working and we don't have as much of course that that's global a global thing that uh, we don't we don't have enough qualified people to work with programming and with this kind of stuff and especially in brazil we have we do not have a very good uh, school system and uh, also like uh, a lot of people that are qualified in other as an emerging economy you have opportunities in in different uh, levels of uh, things that are not really established and then in in other countries they're already established so people tend to study like uh, engineering or uh, architecture this kind of uh, fields that they already established in other countries but here is like growing but technology grows much more faster so what made me and it still makes me uh, feel more comfortable on these changes is that if everything don't work out, like really, if my company fails, if um, if I lose a job, if I have to change, and, and I'm not worried because I qualified myself enough, so I can find a job right away. If if you know I go into debt, my company uh, it's out of business uh, and I'm bankrupt, I still have in my mind, the skills that I need to find a new job. So I think that the, 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 the thing that makes it easy is that still, if, if I don't work with programming, I can work as a designer. I, I create a user interface in Adobe XD all the time. And I help, I help all my employees with different fields. And it's amazing when you have like different kind of, of backgrounds and you can work with with your team and you can you actually know how to do stuff so the thing is what makes me really comfortable with all the changes is that i'm always studying i'm always researching i'm always like qualifying myself so i don't have to worry about that they say like oh you have to make investments you have to save money no, you have to invest in yourself because you're never going to be only if you hit your head really hard and you forget about everything, you know, that's the risk you, you, you have. But if you have the skills and the mindset, you won't worry about changing jobs, about creating a company, because there's always going to be an opportunity for you. And, and that's what I think, you know, it's not just about networking. It's, it's about really having the skills 
and because networking itself it, it doesn't make everything and and that what that was the only thing that makes me comfortable actually i love that you're talking about you know investing in yourself first um always learning and honestly i feel like mindset is just such a key component to everything we do and and it sounds like you've really you continue to work to cultivate that for yourself and and i greatly respect that so I was wondering what prompted you to apply for boot camp and what expectations did you have for that experience? I had like the the thing is I had a really crazy experience in my career because you know as you guys just mentioned is the this thing about changing uh positions and jobs and working with different fields uh made me really yeah, I got really anxious with a lot of stuff. And I started working as a marketing manager uh, on my friend's company. It was a fashion company. It was really, uh, it, I enjoyed working there. It was different. You know, I went to uh, photo shootings to, you know, see uh, our company doing the catwalks uh, stuff. So it was pretty awesome. The thing is that by the time I was like, okay, I got to, I'm working with marketing, I'm working with fashion, and it's pretty cool. But I, I want to still be relevant on the field of programming and designing and stuff. So I started a course at Udacity, and I was one of the first Brazilian students there. And luckily, uh, in 2016, these guys called me and, and made an interview. They were doing some kind of focus group about the, the international students and uh, Udacity is an American institution. So they wanted us to, to give them insights and information about what we thought they, they had to do to be successful in our country and all this stuff. So they were doing this focus group, group and they had available a ticket for a Google I.O. 2016. And we also would like visit the, the startup there and, and, and we would be able to talk to them and all this stuff. So. I went to Google in 2016. I was doing consulting. I was doing marketing. And I went there and I thought, like, I saw so many awesome stuff. They were launching Firebase. They were launching all this AI stuff. They presented for us, like, the self-driving car and so many stuff. I was like, whoa, what am I doing with my life? You know, like, okay, like, not, not saying that marketing management, it, it's it's not good, but I was there and I was like, dude, I know how to program and they're doing so much, so much awesome stuff. And I'm like sitting in my comfort, comfort zone in Brazil. And as soon as I got off this comfort zone, I went to United States. I went to this uh, event. I learned so much that really like made me, I was so happy to be there. Like really seriously, I, I they paid everything to for me, it was perfect. And I was so happy to be there. But at the same time, I, I was in, in my interior, I was a little bit depressed that I, I wasn't part of it. I was like a student, student programming and updating my skills. But I wasn't part of this whole technological and, 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 and this stuff. So I, I thought like I had to reinvent my business because it, it, it's, it doesn't match me. It wasn't like, 
something that really like made me um, I was thinking it's not scalable like marketing consulting is not scalable I, I had to have a lot of people working with me to make consulting uh, be a big thing you know and I was thinking like how could I work with that and how could I create like something that would uh, actually be scalable uh, be something big and I went to Sao Paulo for the case event. It was like, it is the biggest uh, South American, Latin American event for startups. So we had like speech with uh, big guys from Evernote, from Google, from Microsoft, from uh, all, all these big companies from technology and also a lot of startups. And then I went to uh, IBM, uh, and talk to some guys there about Watson and I wanted actually to create a AI for marketing analytics so that the marketing consulting would be scalable because I don't need people I, I need just the AI I need people to develop that and then I can replicate to different kind of companies and different kind of uh, marketing campaigns and stuff and then it was like in probably like in October or November. And then by the same time, I saw the bootcamp. I already uh, had took the course uh, on, I think, I think the EDX or Coursera, I don't remember. Uh, so I took the course online for MIT entrepreneurship. And then I received the email first, uh, like in 2014, I think. But that time I thought it was too expensive and I didn't have the interest to go there. But again, I was receiving the email for the next bootcamp. And it was the right time because I was like, I want to create this, but I don't know where to start. I had, I had a company before. I had a startup before, but it failed. And I was like, I really... I really have to have this experience to really like I, I wanted to know people that that are creating big stuff and working with stuff and also like I knew that we we would have um, speeches with people from uh, successful startups from uh, investment funds and this stuff and also like talking to these guys at MIT MIT is like a big uh, thing for entrepreneurship. So I was like, yeah, I want to build something big, but we actually are not very good at creating this big stuff here in Brazil. So I have to go somewhere to learn that. And the bootcamp was the, the first thing that came up and, and I think it was perfect for the time and it was really good experience. So, so that's, that's, that's the, let's say that's the story, uh, behind me applying to the bootcamp and apply Resuten as a startup. Thank you so much. So I think it's interesting to hear the background behind how you sort of found out about the bootcamp and what your motivations and everything were. But what I'd also be interested in is um, how the bootcamp experience shaped your approach to your work, especially in reference to uh, Resultam or you know, other entrepreneurial work you've been working on. I think it's uh, the thing that it shaped most is that uh, I have like 
the support of a community. I had the all these um, strategies behind it, and it's it's really more. Let's see. I have more criteria to take decisions, and that's uh, the best thing about it. Because my first business, I was just taking every opportunity that show, showed up, and that was what I did all the time. And I would, I would like follow a path that wasn't chosen by me. Uh, that would be chosen by my clients, by the market, by what showed up. And I mean, it's it's like. Uh, it was like really, really something weird to be an entrepreneur without a guidance. It was like something kind of experimental. And I think it was really frustrating, actually. And and I had a startup that I invested lots of money on Google and lost lots of money. And the clients wouldn't sign up for the the for the product. It was a product that we thought that it would like really had a market. Mm -hmm. We made the research, but it wasn't a very good research. And the bootcamp um, actually gives you all that experience that I have to pay to see. You know, I had to lose money to live that. And, and like it, it took like a year for that to happen. And in the bootcamp, that happens in one week. And in one week, you pivot. You fight with your partners and you, you make peace with them and you launch a product. It's like in, in, in just a week. So for that to happen in real life, it takes about a year. And you're going to lose real money. You're going to lose real clients. And I think what shaped for me is the way I take decisions is so much different. And also the planning, the understanding that I have to follow the path I believe in and and that I study it and that I know that is gonna be the path I want to do, not just the path that clients say and that the market say or because if you want to do something really innovative, you're gonna be not following the path that everyone takes. You you gotta be of course you gotta be profitable and and that's something I look for because my main my main source of revenue now it's Resutem. it's been like that for two years now and the the challenge actually it's uh, with with all this pandemic stuff and we really have to work bootstrapping and having to work with not many resources so i think the, the way the boot camp helped me really was taking better decisions understanding better how entrepreneurship works and how it's different to have a small business than to have a startup. It's not the same thing. The way you take decisions, the way uh, you have to wait a little bit more to get more revenue in the future than now, but you, you're pretty sure that you're going to have a scalable product. You're going to have a different approach to entrepreneurship. So that's one of the things that really made me choose working, like applying to the bootcamp it's exactly what I got that is like making better decisions, working better with entrepreneurship because you don't have, even if you, you I, I went to college, you learn a little bit about managing a business, but you don't learn about entrepreneurship. It's, it's really hard to find resources, like really reliable resources 
about entrepreneurship that don't want to just sell you something that really want to teach you something and that's the experience that i got and i think it was really exactly what i expected and it's exactly what is making a, a true difference in in the way i i manage my business now and the way i i am entrepreneur now so it's that that's a new vision a new way to work with entrepreneurship Daniel, we have a question from one of our listeners that I'd like to read for you. When it's your own startup, it seems like every decision is really important. I wondered if you had come across a decision where you're being so careful that you realize you're actually not moving. I was wondering if you could tell us how you overcame such situations. That's that's actually a very good question. And I think it's as my second business... I, I had the luxury to make these mistakes on my first company and, and not on this one. The thing is, uh, you cannot take long to make decisions because if you take long to take a decision, that's also a decision. Like, okay, I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to, uh, oh, it's a too hard. Sometimes uh, it's a very hard decision you have to make. And it, it, it's easy to procrastinate to, to say, okay, I'm uh, tomorrow. I think about it or to think like, uh, let's get the, the, this decision is too important. I'm going to make a meeting with my team. I'm going to research first. The thing is what I think now about decisions is that sometimes you have to actually try out some stuff and, some decisions they're important but the thing is that sometimes you have to we, we have expression in brazil it's it's you have to pay to see so sometimes you have to risk and and that's entrepreneurship is is risk so you, you have of course you have to manage manage the risk but sometimes you you gotta try out some stuff like you gotta uh, i had a, a problem with pricing Brazilian market is really, really aggressive with pricing. Everyone has someone that's going to make something cheaper for you, for them. And I took the decision that I wouldn't comply with that because we had different, different uh, level of service. And, and so I had to take this decision and I had to really tell my clients, okay, I'm not going to make a discount for you. I'm not going to do what do you want and i had to do that i had to do that to see what happens because if you think if you think too much about it and you say no i i i'm gonna ask someone i'm gonna sometimes you have to do it try it out if it doesn't work you can change again but if you do not like if you do not change or if you follow others it, it's going to be worse because your business don't it doesn't have your your decisions so that that's why i think that sometimes decisions uh and it's very common like even my clients sometimes i see they taking too long to to make a decision and i said you're making a decision of not making the decision and and this is not good at all because somebody is going to make that decision for you it's either your client your employees or your stakeholders somebody's going to do that for you 
and they might boycott your business. They might put pressure on, your, on you. So the, the good thing about taking decisions, it's really like not being afraid of them because if you're afraid of them, they're going to take, they, the decision's going to take you and not, not you will be taking the decision. So I think that the, it's, it's really, really challenging for any entrepreneur to make decisions. And there's good books uh, um, um, on this that may help, but uh, the only advice that I can give is that um, you have to make them. And, and that's the, that's the boring part of the, of having a company. Uh, but as, as, as long as you take them, you take control and, and you can measure, you can, can see what's happening and you can feel it and you can measure it. And then you're going to be taking better decisions because the experience after, um, I, I've been, uh, only owning a business for more than 10 years now. So I, I had opportunity of not taking decisions and, and seeing what happens and then taking these decisions and making them and, and being really, uh, um, let's say, having the audacity of taking them quickly. So I, I think it's, it's really a matter of uh, experience it. And after, after like exercising that every day, it's going to be much easier and easier. It's just a matter of um, really like taking risks. That, that's, that's the biggest thing about decisions, I think. Awesome. Well, uh, first of all, I'm so glad to be here with you and to see you, Daniel, on here. We have been talked for some time now. And I have a few questions. Uh, one of those are, is there a specific skill set to be a web developer? Because I tried at the beginning of the quarantine here in, in my place, and no way, I kind of lost interest on that. And also based on your experience, where is the technology industry going in Brazil? What things could be done for improving that industry in Brazil and or in Latin America? Great. It's a pleasure, Carlos, to talk to you uh, once more. I know that... Uh, We've been talking uh, a lot, like in the quarantine, but it's been like a few weeks that we don't talk, uh, like really have a conversation. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to answer your questions. And well, the thing is about being a web developer, I wouldn't start as being the developer. You can start just with the front end and uh, creating simple, really simple stuff. The thing is, it's everything that they, they tell about entrepreneurship, it's actually about anything you do in life. So they say, oh, you have to start small and then go big. Okay, that's for everything you do. You never start big in anything. I mean, it's like, okay, you think you're going to be born and start walking. You know, you, you got to grow up and you got to uh, start from the scratch and, and you have to improve in everything you do in life. So it's not just entrepreneurship. So uh, learning a new skill, uh, like being a web developer, say, uh, of course, the first thing when I was starting, I thought like, oh, I want to build a 
a portal, a news portal, just like Yahoo or a search engine like Google or uh, a mail service like Yahoo Mail. So that's something that I had in my mind. So, so I wanted to learn and know how, like, how is it possible to create something like big like that? And the thing is, I didn't start like working with, uh, like trying to understand how to create these big things. I had to start with the small things, like how I create the first uh, structure for a page. How do I embed an image to a website? So it was like really baby steps and, and trying to understand that. And the, the good thing about it, because I, 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 I read about it and, and that's one of the things that I, I, I take to my life is that anyone can do anything. You just have to have the same uh, knowledge base, like the background. So how do you build that background? That's the question you have to make. Like, how do I build a background for me to be a web developer? It's not just like, okay, I'm going to start being a web developer. So it's pretty boring. And I, I really, th I, I talked with Spencer and Nancy the other day, and I, I'm, I don't, I'm not a big fan of programming. It's, it's not that I, I don't find it interesting. I find it, it very interesting. I love programming in the sense of I love learning it and understanding how it works, but I, I, I don't really love being a professional programmer and, you know, uh, work full time with programming. So as a person that learn and, and I, I, I talked to Nancy and, and, and Spencer and it's not the career that I pursued. I wanted to be an advertiser. I, I wanted to work with television and different stuff. And uh, the thing it was, I was good at it and I learned really quickly, but it wasn't because I was brilliant or because I was like someone special. It's because I had the background to learn complex stuff. So you start learning small, you're going to learn like first, first thing, you're not going to learn um, how to create the JavaScript. That That's the last part you're going to learn. Like, uh, you're going to make it interactive. First, you're going to learn how to really write the basics, like uh, heading, paragraph, uh, division, uh, section, uh, a menu. And then you're going to learn how to link a page to another, and then you start putting images on that, and then you start putting the CSS. And that's how I learned. And the thing it's in the beginning is really hard. And the, the only advice that I think it's going to be something that will speed up your learning is that if you put a, if you put a project or an objective in your mind, so, okay, I'm going to learn why I am I learning Am I learning web development? It's just because it's something that it's out there and it's, it has a lot of opportunities or it's because I really want to build something. So if you put in your mind, okay, I'm going to build a website about this subject. It, it could be any subject. My first experience as, as a web developer was that I really wanted to create a website for the band that I liked at the time. And I... With that in mind, I was like, okay, 
uh, I have I want to create this website about this specific subject. How do I start? And then okay, now I, I wanted to put some downloads page. So how I'm gonna be able to create that? And then it, it's a different way to learn. It's not just like sitting in front of a screen and and uh, you know watching classes and and trying to do the exercises. You actually have uh, objective. So you have a motivation. So the the one thing that makes us learn, like it's just like what I, when I when I say like uh, I learned programming and and for me it was just like a video game, very hard video game to play, because I had an objective. I have a go I had a goal. Just like you want to win in the game, you want to create something. You had the objective, so then you learn. That's how human nature works. We work like that. Our brain work like that. So you have to have a motivation. We always like, when we work, we create companies, we uh, go to, to our job, we have a motivation. We have a, maybe a financial motivation, but even the financial motivation is always like, you think that you're gonna earn money and you're gonna be happy. So the motivation, you gotta think about it. Okay, I wanna create a project because I'll be happy with that project. So for that project to be real, I had to learn programming. So that's how it happened to me. I the most things I learned about development was really uh, either selling the idea for a client, either doing something for me. So let's say the first real life project that I made money off was a website for video games. And it was uh, it was really small in the beginning. I had like 50 people accessing my webs, 50, 50 visitors per, per day. And when I was on the highest, I had 3,000 visitors per day. And I would earn money with AdSense. And I was like programming this website, creating the content for this website. And I learned how to write better. I learned how to, to support the people that went to the website. I learned how to set up a gaming server. I learned how to set up a web server. I learned how to program the web. It's not because I love programming. I, I actually, I think it's kind of boring. But the thing is, it's necessary to create things I want. So I want to create my startup. And, and the, the thing, of course, I have a, a team of five people working with me. They can help me with anything that I find boring. But the thing is, I had to learn those things to start. And, and I got good at it and, and started. And then they can like actually follow and complete the development of the things I start. And I can help them to achieve their goals and to tell them what they have to do. How can they do that? Because I know how to program. I don't need to program all the time. I don't need to love programming to work with programming or to learn it. I just have to have an objective. So with everything in life, and what I think, you know, the, the, the things I studied about learning, about uh, achieving goals is that if you don't have a motivation, you're not going to learn. It's not just web design. It's anything. So if you have a true objective in your mind, your mindset, you have like, oh, I want to build a website. I want to build a company. Uh, you learn. One of the things I told to my partner, uh, I was pitching 
this um, iPhone and Android app for a client. And he looked to me and said, Daniel, we, we have no idea how to build a mobile app. And I looked to him and say, let's sell it first, then we learn. And now we're like, we're really comfortable on developing uh, mobile apps. So the thing is, if we hadn't had the opportunity to sell this product for the client, we are programmers. We can learn. It's it's not it's not the a, entire different world to develop a website or a web app, and develop an Android and iPhone app. The 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 base that we need to have is the same. The background that we needed is the same. We just had to learn this new skill. So we had the motivation. The client was paying us to develop that. And we had to learn and we learned. That's the thing. Like if you don't have an objective, if you don't have a motivation, and it's not just a motivation like assumption like the market or it, it had to be a personal motivation for you to learn how to do that. So that's the only advice that I can give you about learning like web development and, and about like the, the skill set basic. You just need to know how to copy and paste uh, to create a folder on your computer and that's it. The rest you can learn really from zero to hero. You just have to start from zero. You cannot just go and try to create something big uh, in the first time you, you work with that. So uh, I think that's that's the, the that, that's like the answer for your first question that I can give. And the, for the second question, uh, the technology industry in Brazil, uh, we have a big market here. We are a big country, we, we, 200 million people. Uh, one of the largest economies, I think it's the largest economy in, in South America. And it was once like one of the biggest economies in the world. We have a market here, of course, but also uh, the thing about with the pandemic, with COVID, with uh, let's say uh, bad government decisions, our currency is now getting weaker. So we have uh, a market here. We have a growing market here for technology. We have a lot of startups. We have investment, but also we have the opportunity for outsourcing for other countries that it's not explored now. And I think it can be explored. The thing about uh, outsourcing is that it's mainly uh, concentrated on China and India and um, maybe Bangladesh or different countries on Asia. And there's a lot of, um, lot of opportunities there and I respect uh, their work. It's a very good job. They, they do a very good job with that. And, but also we have um, South America. It's so close to United States to Europe. We have very similar culture. We have um, time zones are not that far as if you compare like with China or with Japan or other countries on Asia that do outsourcing for the United States or for the for Europe. So for Brazil and for South American uh, technology market, I think we had a lot of opportunities of outsourcing. So it's one of the things that are not very well explored now with the exchange rates we can have of course we, we cannot compete 
with India that have a different kind of exchange rate and other countries, but we can compete with Europe. We can compete with the United States on outsourcing because we have, it's, it's weird to say that, but like with weaker currencies, uh, Brazil used to have a very strong uh, currency. So it was hard to outsource services because we weren't competitive enough, maybe not qualified enough to be competitive on the same price range, but with a weaker currency. And that's because of the pandemic crisis, because of the COVID-19 and stuff. So we have this opportunity of taking this terrible uh, thing that happened to our economies, to uh, our countries with uh, COVID and all these problems that we have, uh, making the currency weaker. It's not that bad because if we're innovative enough and qualified for that, we can really outsource business at a good pricing and still be more than we get paid here. So that's one opportunity right there. And it's not just for us. If you're American, if you're European, if you're from Australia, if you're from Asia, now it's a good time to outsource with Brazil because we we need uh, this movement the, on technology. We need to work with software and stuff. But our market's not going to be good for at least two years. And so it's a good time for outsource with us because we're going to offer better prices. We're going to be uh, more available because of this situation. So, of course, it's terrible because the crisis is affecting a lot of business going out of business. A lot of companies, they're bankrupt. And even like big airline companies, this stuff. And it's, it, a lot of people are going to lose jobs, already losing jobs. But the thing is, if you're an entrepreneur and you think about that as an opportunity, it's an opportunity for us and for everyone else in the world that want to outsource programming services or design services with Brazil or South America in general. We have a good time zone. We have a similar culture. Let's say English is, is very like common in Brazil now in, in South America. So you can outsource things here and you can get, uh, make from the crisis a good thing. You know, that that's what I think. So what I was hoping to sort of get an understanding from you was where you see the field of analytics and web insights going in the next few years. And in particular, are there any technologies or ideas that you are looking out for within ResultM? Well, the thing is, Analytics, it's it's a pretty cool thing to work with. I was talking with a friend of mine. He, he's new to the field. He worked as a, um, let's say, a business manager. And then he started working with uh, this uh, digital marketing stuff. And uh, we were talking about Facebook ads and Google ads. The thing is, the way uh, these companies are, are putting the analytics and the data for the people and information that you have when you're managing managing a comp, uh, uh, campaign. So the thing is, it's just like really actually playing a game. So you go there, you go to the Google Ads dashboard, or your Facebook Ads dashboard, and you have all this information and you can measure everything. So it's different because when I work at television, um, the people 
the, the companies would would pay for be on television and we couldn't offer very good analytics from them because they're they were just weren't there they they had to you know create their advertisement and wait for the 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 phone to ring or wait for people to go to their office but with the internet you have a lot of information you have a lot of uh, data to deal with and you have a lot of analytics to deal with and the thing is it's it's becoming uh, more and more easy to understand that you work with these things and the thing is that the companies the big companies like Facebook Google they don't want they don't want the clients to have a middleman they don't want a marketing analyst they don't want a marketing manager to do that work they want to people the, the small companies to do that themselves like the owner goes there create a Facebook ad create a Google ad and that's it and that's amazing and it's also like it's both an up I think they see a, it's both an opportunity and also a risk if you work with uh, analytics if you work with marketing management of course if you work in a big company it's easy but if you have a, lo a lot of small uh, small clients it's a risk because if Facebook, if Google, they get really good with that, and they're really good already. But if they can make the client understand that they don't need a person to manage the company, the, the to manage the campaign, uh, that's a big risk for the the analytics. So what I, I I'm working on on Resutam now, it's we want to make the analytics. Uh, something much more easier and I think uh, that might be a good product for market and also for uh, even selling the company in the future for a big player that's what I, I think now the thing is if you if you create content and you, you create revenue on that content and if you if you create a campaign online uh, you want to see how it's performing and you want to be easier to take decisions with with that data and so the the thing about analytics now what i want to do is okay they want to kill the middleman so how the middleman is still relevant today let's say you invest ten thousand dollars per month in google and facebook all right so they're not the same company they will not agree in anything um so soon you know i mean it's it's not going to be available uh, a dashboard to manage both facebook and google ads campaigns all right so that's one of the problems that i see on the market now so what resultant what we're working on it's to create a dashboard it's not just a dashboard but i, I i'll call it just a dashboard to manage uh both facebook and google let's say i know there are a lot of 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 products that already do this and but we also want to offer the client not just the the analytics and the data and even like we 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 have this uh, project on ai that's going to take the decisions so let's say uh it's cheaper to have people buying from your company from facebook than google 
So you have you have ten thousand dollars, and five thousand is in Google and five thousand on Facebook. So our analytics algorithm sees that Facebook is is much better for your company than Google. So it takes the investment and changes uh, where it's going to be. So let's say uh, the AI takes the Five, from the five thousands, take three thousand and put on Facebook. So you have now seven. You, you now, you now, you now have less less investment on Google and more in Facebook, and that can change all the time. And that's what companies pay us to do as as an, a marketing analysts. So let's say um, we we just don't want to like replace the middleman with AI, but also we want to offer. For the content creators, let's say the bloggers, the YouTubers, the website creators, the apps creators, and the companies that create webs, create websites, and create content for YouTube or for social media. Do they have one place to manage the content and to see the results of that content? Because it's amazing when you go to YouTube. YouTube, it's a perfect example of what we want to achieve. You post a video. So you post the video and you post the content, right? So you post the thumbnail, you post the metadata for that and the description and everything. You, you put everything in there. And at the same dashboard, you have the analytics and you have all the information about reach, about how people are coming for that video, how people are actually consuming your content, how much time they're spending watching the video. So you can take decisions of what kind of content you're going to offer for your audience. And, but that doesn't happen on other platforms like WordPress, like um, let's say even like, okay, you have analytics like in Instagram and Facebook, but you have to access so many dashboards you have to access okay you want to see how your page is performing so let's say your page has a youtube video it has a google ads campaign a facebook ads campaign an instagram ads campaign you have like four different kind of dashboards that you're going to visit just to know how that content is performing so what resultant what what's the uh, what's the actually like product that we're developing it's a one place that you can create the page you put it online it's your your website your content and you have all the information there you you, you can like even like okay you have a page that is not performing well you want to uh increase your advertisement spending or you want to change the campaign you can do everything on this dashboard and and that's what we're working on that's what we believe that's going to be uh, the future of analytics it's to have a place that you can actually manage all all the the ways that that content gets consumed and and how the people really reach that content and and that's what we're working on and analytics it's going to be there for a long time and it can be replaced by ai okay so when you think about anything that can be replaced by ai it it gets like kind of for actually that that's one of the things that i think and for me when i think okay this, this is going to be replaced by ai anyway so why will i work in that so the only one the one thing that's never going to be replaced by ai 
It's content creation. That's going to be always created by humans. And even though AI will be able to create content in the future, it will only be able to create content from what we already created as humans. So I want to give to the people that create content the tools for them to understand how that content is available and how it's accessed, accessed and how people interact with that. So that's the future of analytics for me. And the future of analytics, it's content creation. And, and that's one of the things that's been around for so long. And in my opinion, it hasn't evolved as much as I think it should. And we're trying to work with this and create this um, project, this product that will bring all these companies, all this information together and we'll analyze that for you and we'll help you make better decisions. Let's say uh, we, we can like put on full auto mode. So the AI takes all the decisions for you or you, you could just open your dashboard and, and you see a notification saying like, okay, we detected that Facebook is performing well. You want to move a little bit of your investment for that uh, platform or you want to keep the way it is. Or, Oh, we suggest that you raise your investment by X percent because we see that um, this kind of content that you create, it's, it's uh, having more clicks and, and more people interested in. So that, that's the kind of, of insights and the kind, it, it's the same that a person would do like a, a marketing consultant, a marketing analytics person uh, will do as a contractor we want to do that as a product as a service as a software service uh, however uh, you want to call it but it's like a place where you get insights an app let's say an app or a web app that you get insights you manage your content you get all the information there so i think the future of analytics it's content creation Thanks so much, Daniel, for just uh, really thoroughly explaining, not only answering the question, but explaining uh, where you're headed to um, at, as a company. That's quite fascinating. I um, want to actually read a question from Chris, just because he was having some connection issues. Um, and I think inadvertently we'll wind up answering. So Chris is in India and Carlos is in Venezuela. Um, but you might inadvertently wind up kind of answering uh, Carlos's question as well. So Chris says, good point on outsourcing. How is Result AM seeing the business in current times where the world has been hit by COVID? The pandemic era has opened up opportunities to turn most businesses into digital businesses wherever possible. Though the businesses are getting affected, technology... I'm I'm not doing a good job with your question, Chris. I'm so sorry. Businesses are getting affected, but technology first has become a necessity in pandemic times. So how do you see the digital market as of now and in the near future? E-commerce startups have been invested in recently. SMSEs are gaining in the digital grounds of e-commerce business model, especially in the CPG domain. And he did post his question. If you if you want to go ahead and read it in the questions, yeah, yeah, the I, channel. 
I just I just saw it here. Well, Krish, uh, the thing about there, there's one thing that's not really like the at first I thought it was exciting. I thought it was really uh, actually people made me think like that, uh, telling me like, oh, Daniel, all the opportunities for your company now, and they're gonna be out there because of the COVID a pandemic and people are going to be more online and stuff. But what I see now, uh, it's, it's the thought that I always had. So if you have people that are used to buying stuff in stores, in, in physical store, brick and mortar stores, um, even though they're going to buy online now, there may be, a, probably won't be buying online when market reopens. And the same thing goes not only for the people, the, the, the behavior of the people, but also the behavior of the company. So um, many companies are used to uh, selling on their stores. They are used to that. They, are, they have all the strategy and the business. Uh, it works uh, the way to sell on brick and mortar stores, to sell in person. So these companies are having a really hard time to turn digital because it's not their vision, it's not their values, not the same thing. And what I, I see is that a lot of companies and, and even like huge companies, I had a huge client that got in touch with me and we created a COVID-19 specific uh, campaign for them. And I don't know if you guys uh, had similar uh, campaigns in your countries, but uh, here they create a lot of uh, save the something kind of campaign. So uh, we we created one for, it's called Support Your Salon. And it's actually with um, a guy from class eight from bootcamp. He got in touch with me and we created this strategy at selling vouchers for, People that go to it, it, he only works with um, with uh, barber shops and and this kind of stuff. So uh, he's, he's in the cosmetic industry. It's a company from Holland that has its subsidiary here in Brazil. So we created this support your solo your solo uh, campaign, and people would buy vouchers for using the future and this salon. so they could. Um, the companies wouldn't like go out of business uh, and with no revenue during the pandemic. And that was a good solution. That was something that really was an opportunity for us to work again with uh, this person and, and create this product. It was really nice to work with it. And what I saw is that they had zero experience with selling online. I'm not kidding. It's not like just I'm not telling that they're uh, not competent or not uh, are not a good company. They're a very nice company. They're very successful. They're very um, competent on their field. But they were used to sell their stuff for the salons and not for the, the final customer. So it was crazy when I when I installed Google Analytics on the web app and they could see all the, the data they were impressed because they never had an experience with Google Analytics. So let's say a company of more than 30 years of success, 
and it's a brand that it's known and everything, still didn't have any experience with the internet. So lots of companies are like this, especially small businesses, small um, small stores and smaller companies. They're not used to the online market. So the thing is, it's it's not that easy to migrate. And the the, the thing is, people that buy online, they're different from the people that buy on stores. And it, it of course a lot of a lot of new new web users and web buyers are going to be available after the COVID. But I don't think it's not going to be a drastic change. I think most people that are used not buying online, they're, they're still waiting for the stores to open up to buy like clothing and, and you know, the, the, the things that they don't actually need now that they're on, on social isolation. And so uh, what I see as, as the opportunities that the COVID-19 give us, uh, they are big and they exist, but they're not that big as some people in the media or, or some friends can make us believe because some behaviors, they won't change. And some companies won't be able to replicate what they do in person online. So let's say, uh, especially on the restaurant or uh, experience kind of business, it's going to be difficult for them to be online. And so many sectors won't benefit anything from, from the COVID. And some companies won't be able to migrate to online. They, they're just going to go out of business if they don't have a good financial management now. And I think is that a lot of companies are investing on e-commerce, but they, I, I had clients before the pandemic that they had like more than, more than 20 years of business and big experience with fashion and with uh, selling like clothing and or shoes and, and bags, this stuff. I have different clients in these fields and they weren't uh, aware that, for example, you had to know the weight of the products. They didn't have a way to, they didn't have a balance to put there and, and see how much that, how many pounds that product actually uh, is weight. And that is, important because you have to know for the website to calculate the deliver the shipping costs and they didn't have that that's the basics for us and they some of them didn't have an sku so it's crazy to see how some companies have um it, it, they're not mature enough to be online and also there's there won't there are will be a lot of people that won't be uh, new users because they won't change their behavior. So I think there is, of course, a lot of opportunities of on the e-commerce field, but it's not going to be a dramatic change because the smaller companies, they will have to understand and to learn. And maybe I think now what I think this is just a personal opinion now is that the pandemic will end. We're going to find a, a solution, a vaccine or something. And then all this investment in e-commerce, in, in web campaigns, going to go to waste because they won't be able 
to survive online. Online, you have to have a good marketing strategy. You have to have good campaigns. You have to have a good customer service. You gotta you gotta ship fast. You gotta uh, if if somebody complains about your product, you you have to reply fast. You have to receive. Um, products that people didn't like. here in Brazil actually we have a, a law that actually allows people to uh, to get the product uh, and and take it back for the company if they don't like it for seven days seven business days for any reason you don't have even to tell them why you're you're you didn't like the product you just can uh, give it back because it wasn't what you expected and these are a lot of new challenges that their company will have and maybe they won't be able to uh, surpass all these challenges before the pandemic ends so if i were to take a decision as a small business and, and or if i was uh, asked by a small business owner if they should make this uh, transition i would tell them that they should look at with a lot of care and, and be careful because maybe that money that they're going to invest in e-commerce, it's better to use for saving the company until uh, the pandemic ends than to invest in something that they won't be able to manage. So e-commerce is not easy. I used to work with e-commerce. My first job was as a designer in an e-commerce company. And it looks like it's easier than having a, a store, a, a physical store. But the thing is, it's, in my opinion, it's much harder because you're, you're so far away from the person, you don't have the opportunity to apologize or to uh, have a good communication or have some person to go there and make the, sa the sale. Like they cannot uh, adapt if you, if you have a, a very good website, a very good experience, selling experience, you're going to have to change everything. You're going to have to take pictures of the product. You have to measure the weight of the project of the product. You have to have a, um, you have to talk with uh, delivery companies. So there's a lot of challenges. What I would like actually tell to business owners now, if they want to, they don't sell online, they want to sell online, Go to a marketplace, go sell on Amazon, go sell on eBay, go sell anywhere else, then create your own stuff. Because maybe that money that you're going to invest on the e-commerce website, it's going to be much more worthy for saving the company and putting your product on marketplace marketplaces and advertising online than investing on creating your own e-commerce. So I think that that's one of the things about e-commerce that uh, the, most companies won't adapt, even companies that are already big, and they will, it, it's gonna be difficult. For big companies, of course, they have, they have bigger amounts of cash to invest and to try it out and to adapt themselves for this new reality. But for the majority of, especially small, small business, uh, it's not gonna be that big of opportunity. It's not gonna be easy. Uh, as well. So uh, that's my vision about uh, the COVID and uh, the marketing this and this time frame that we think. I think some of the behavior of the people will change and that will create new opportunities. 
but now I don't think it's a good idea for all the business to create an e-commerce or to try to make their product available online. Maybe they have to find different ways to sell it, to deliver it, maybe work with uh, in their community or near their company and not just trying to drastically change to an online business right away. It, it's a, it, it, of course, it depends on each case, but in, in generalizing a little bit, I think it's a real big challenge and it's not for everyone. And uh, I would advise uh, to really look with caution, make all the, all the effort to understand all the risk and the opportunities and then take this kind of decision. So thank you so much for all your time today, Daniel, and, and for explaining so much of your amazing journey and, and sharing your life lessons with us. Um, thanks everyone else who joined and participated and Carlos for connecting us to Daniel. We really appreciate everyone's perspective and energy in today's discussion. Um, Spencer and I feel fortunate to be part of this community. So thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day or a great evening ahead. Thank you very much, everyone. And thank you, Daniel. Well, I thank, I thank you guys for the opportunity to share my knowledge and my experience. And I'm really glad that this community exists. I didn't know. Thanks, Carlos, for letting me know. Uh, it's really nice to to be here. And I am really appreciate for all the participation and everybody that was here. And if you guys want to get in touch, just uh, let me know. Just uh, chat with me here in Discord or anywhere else. Uh, it'd be, it's going to be a pleasure to uh, talk to you guys. Have a good day, everyone. This has been Nancy and Spencer on Founders Voyage Weekly Podcast. Our speaker each week can be reached through our Discord server. Our intro and outro music is from the song Something for Nothing by Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. We'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, have a great day and continue your voyage.